All right, my church, how we doing this morning? I need a little more enthusiasm than that. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you, thank you. That was, but it doesn't count if I have to ask for it. So I guess we'll just pretend that never happened. Welcome. Glad you guys are here. My name is Richard. I'm part of the My Church team, and uh, I want to welcome everybody, especially any first-time guests. Maybe today is your first time to be in one of our worship experiences, and so thank you for coming. We hope you enjoy it, and uh, and also we want to welcome everybody who's checking in live online uh, on Facebook Live. So let's welcome all our guests here in the room and and online. Our Lead pastor Jeff Murphy and his family are in Lynchburg, Virginia this weekend. Their oldest daughter is a freshman at Liberty University, and so they're spending some time up there. And uh, so that's why I'm here leading this uh, conversation today. So uh, it's, it's going to be awesome. We're actually finishing up a series of messages called Let's Pray. How many of you have enjoyed the Let's Pray message series? Hadn't it been amazing? Great stuff. If you missed any of it, please check it out. You can go to the Facebook page and find some of the old videos and, and catch up. But it's been, it's been clutch. So uh, today we wrap it up. It's the series finale of that. And next Sunday, Jeff is going to start a new series called Legacy. What kind of legacy do we want to leave uh, for those who are following behind us? So that's going to be awesome. So you don't want to miss that starting next week. And today, as I said, we're wrapping up the Let's Pray series on a particular topic, and we're talking about let's pray for unity. Unity. So let's say the word unity together. You ready? Unity. Oh, man, you're good. We did that. We were unified in that moment, so there's hope for us. Uh, we're, we're excited. Uh, this, is a, this is a big deal. U- unity is a, really matters a lot. To God, it, it comes up over and over in the scriptures. One time, Jesus was uh, was praying, and and his prayer was recorded. He was praying to the heavenly Father, and he was asking that the Lord would make his followers one, make them unified. He was talking about the actual twelve disciples, the twelve guys that walked around with him for three years during his earthly ministry. But then he goes on during that prayer to even say that he's hoping and he wants God to do this miracle where not only just his 12 disciples, but all of his followers who would, who would be to come down through the centuries, that's us, including us, that those followers would be one and unified and, 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 and be in unity just the same way Jesus himself and the Heavenly Father are in unity. So it's a big prayer. It's kind of a big deal. It's a tall order. It's not, you know, that we would be as unified and as inseparable and as in step as God and the Father are with each other. But that's what Jesus prayed. And so in just a few minutes, we're going to look at another passage of Scripture where we're instructed pretty much the same thing. So we're talking about unity. And our our title for the, the talk today is Come Together. How many of you are humming a Beatles song right now? Right now. All right. So, sorry. Unfortunately, that's not the last time that's going to happen in this sermon. But we'll get to that later. So, so we're talking about coming together. Not easy to do. Unity is, uh, is, is counterintuitive. It's more natural for a human being, 
beings to get fractured and separated and divided than it is for them to be in unity. And we can look around, like, like the day and age we live in right now. I mean, are we not? And, and look, we, we, we don't even have to look at the world in general. Let's just talk about, say, our country, the United States of America. How disunified could a country be? I mean, are we not in this super fractured time where there are so many divisions between us as Americans. It's, it's amazing, and it would seem like, oh my gosh, this has never, ever happened before. The truth is, it happens all the time throughout history, right? I mean, this is, this is the way a nation and a culture and a society, again, it goes through these kind of phases. But uh, here's the problem, the difference, what is unique, it's not unique that we're a divided country and uh, on so many levels, but what's unique is that now we're dealing with that in the age of, of this wild technology and, and media and social interaction. When I was young, growing up in the 70s, which is where I'm from, in the 70s, you had to wait till 6 o'clock at night to get mad at people who didn't agree with you politically. And Walter Cronkite would tell you about it. And it, does anybody even know who that person is? Thank you. Okay, there are just a handful of us. Yes, we're very old. Deal with it. There was the 6 o'clock news was the first time you found out about all these people who disagree with you and, you know. And now, at this very moment, there is a device in your purse that has notifications waiting on you that are going to let you know how stupid people are that don't agree with you because they've, because they've given their silly, senseless opinions on your Facebook post. How dare they? See, this is just... So it's this odd mix that we have now of all... There's a hyper-awareness of how fractured and disunified a group of people can become. So in the midst of that sort of mindset that we deal with every day, where everything is, I mean, we can't even, we're not even unified as a, our, our, our NFL teams aren't unified. Our, our fan bases for college football teams aren't unified. The committee that decides the college football playoff rankings, they're not unified, for crying out loud. I mean, my gosh. But actually, I touched the nerve. I'm just, down boy. That was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty upset about some of that. But anyway. The point is, is that we're, we're in a, an age of hyper-awareness of our divisions. And yet, here we are as, uh, in the faith journey, and we're seeing in Scripture over and over again the encouragement, the command, the, the, the pull towards unity, and we're like, gosh, how could that even happen? I believe that, uh, I'm, I'm going to make a statement, and this is just something I believe with all my heart. I believe that in a divided society, only the church of Jesus Christ, the Christian church, only the church can truly model unity. In a divided society which, within which we live, in this day and age, in our nation, in our regions, only the church can truly model unity. I believe it with all my heart. You may disagree with me. If you are, you're stupid. I'm going to post about you later. No, that was a joke. It was a bad joke. But this is what we have. So you either laugh or we move on. 
So that's what I think, that, that our, the reason, one of the reasons that God wants us to, to, to live in unity is because He has messages that He wants to send out to the world through us, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. So, since we're talking about coming together in a day and age where it's not easy to come together, and the series topic is let's pray, I think it would be smart if we would take a moment and pray and ask God for help because we really need it, all right? So let's pray. Father, we need you, Lord. We're asking you to help us because in our, in our lives, in our minds, in our own hearts, the things that we care and are passionate about often lead us to fractured relationships and disunity with the people around us. So we need you to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, and that is to come and reach into our hearts and change us and give us hope that things can be different than the way they are. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that was written by the Apostle Paul, one of the big deal characters in the New Testament. He was writing a letter of spiritual instruction to, and encouragement to a group of, of uh, people in the first century. They were Christians, they were Christ followers, who lived in the ancient city of Rome. And in the book of Romans, chapter 15, we'll see a few verses that talk to us about unity. If you have your device and you want to look it up, you can. If not, it's on the screen. So let's look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about this idea of unity. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So today we're going to wade through these handful of verses, and we're going to look at some things that I believe are going to explain to us. When it comes to unity, it's going to explain what it's all about. Are you ready to hear what it's all about? It's kind of like the hokey pokey. Because you do the hokey pokey, and you turn yourself around and... That's, see, it didn't work in the first service either. I thought that you guys would be with me on the hokey pokey joke. I was wrong. Moving on. But we're going to talk about what is, literally, what is unity all about? And we find it in these verses, and I think we'll, uh, I think we'll learn something cool. First, it's all about attitude. Attitude. Say the word attitude with me. Attitude. Man, it's all about attitude. The verse that we read a moment ago, we'll revisit it now. It's the very first verse, verse 5 of, of, of the passage we read. It says, May the God who gives encouragement, endurance and encouragement, give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. So, in terms of the way we think about the people around us, the people in our lives, the people that we now see, that God is asking us to be in unity with, as it relates to how we think about them, we need to measure our attitude against that of Christ, like Jesus' attitude towards others. Wow, that's kind of a, that's an intense measuring stick, sort of. You know, like, wow, is that even possible? Well, it is, but, so we're going to go to another little verse of Scripture that actually describes in great detail 
what Jesus' attitude was towards the people around him, towards all of the people that he lived with, and towards us down through the centuries. So here's what the attitude was. We go to Philippians chapter 2, another teaching that Paul the Apostle wrote, and he explains in detail what Jesus' attitude was. It says, you must have the same attitude that that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus gave us the example. He did not cling to what he thought he was his or he deserved. He didn't cling to it. He surrendered it and was willing to hold loosely the things that most of us would have done everything in the world to protect. Jesus was not functioning in pride. He humbled himself and came in human form. And he sacrificed himself for the people around him. This is our example. This is what we need to uh, model ourselves after as we think and, and interact with the people around us. That's, that's kind of a hard list to, to live up to. And yet, there may be hope for us. You see, the, the, hardest, thing, the hardest thing about unity is that it has to do with other people. You know, if it weren't for other people, I think I'd be fine. You know? I think I'd be awesome. But Jesus is saying, what I did is I looked at the people around me and I said, I'm going to, I want to serve them. I have this purpose. I have this, I have this goal that goes beyond myself. And so I sacrifice. He, the very Son of God, which is, which is mind-blowing when you think about it. If anybody had a right to cling to what was theirs, it was him, and, and yet he did the exact opposite. And here we are being asked to be, to be willing to do the same thing. This is what, this is what you, the, road, the path that unity will take us down. You think about the people who were listening to these words when they were originally written back in the first century. Everything about life was super complicated for these people, including the faith journey was complicated. These, you know the, the biggest issues they had to deal with? Racism was huge, even as it related to uh, faith. I mean, there were these big debates and questions and confusion about who could follow a certain religious path based on their nationality, based on where they, their family was from. It was a racial, there were racial divides everywhere. Economic differences divided people like crazy back then. There were people that really struggled with, hey, can I be in like a a spiritual relationship unity with somebody uh, who's not in my same economic bracket? Is that even possible? You know what was a big deal also back then? Uh, Gender issues. Gender discrimination was unbelievable. 
and uh, there was there was age discrimination. There was political unrest, and the stability was oftentimes really shaky, uh, politically speaking. That's in the first century. Now, fast forward to the 21st century. Let's make our list. You can kind of see where I'm going here, right? We're dealing with the exact same stuff. I mean, obviously, there are major differences in the way our lives function, you know, 2,000 years later. But but isn't it shocking? Isn't it interesting? how we're still dealing with the same issues of race and economic divide and gender discrimination and age discrimination and political instability. I mean, that's why the things that we're reading today are just as important and relevant to us as they were when they were first written down. So, here's the good news. The good news about unity is that it depends on an attitude change. The better news about unity is that God can help us change our attitude. I love that in Romans chapter 15, Paul didn't say, now you guys just need to buckle up, man up, woman up, and change your attitudes. You ever told your kids that? Anybody? I need that attitude to change right now. But here's the deal. The beauty of it is that God can help us change our attitudes. And I need that so bad. Anybody ever had a bad attitude in the last 48 uh, minutes? <laughs> no, I, no. Seriously. I mean, we've been... Anybody with their kids had a bad attitude to deal with attitudes this morning? Hey, there is hope. God can help us change our attitudes. I think the... Uh, And and I'll just leave you one more thought about attitude. My attitude changing, God changing my attitude has zero to do with the other person or other people in my life. It's all about what God wants to do in my mind and in my heart. I don't, I I mean, it's not reciprocal. It doesn't matter. If if that person has given me that I feel fractured from and, and divided from, it doesn't, matter if they're even moving towards me. It doesn't matter if they're ever going to give me the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't matter if they're ever going to agree with me or even care to hear my opinions or try to understand me. It doesn't matter. My attitude is about what God does in my heart. And that is good news. Thank you. You're very excited. That is cool. But that's, that's where our hope is. Because if, if it was about me making it happen... Uh, it would have happened a long time ago, and it still hasn't. So let us pray for God to change our attitudes. Okay, so the first thing, it's about attitude. And when you see it, how hard it is to measure up to the attitude Jesus had, don't freak out. Just ask for help. That's what I'm learning. God, help me with how far I'm falling short of the attitude that I need to have. So it's about attitude. You know what else it's about? I'll tell you, it's not about sameness. It's about harmony. It's not about sameness. It's about harmony. Star Trek fans in the audience? Anybody? No? You ever, get, you ever hear Jesus or these verses and they're talking about oneness and unity? Or you start thinking, are we going to become like the Borg? Assimilated in a, into a collective? And we're all going to be the exact same. We're going to think the same and feel the same and talk the same and dress the same, God forbid, and all this stuff. 
No, it's not about oneness. It's about harmony. And to talk about harmony and help us to give an example of harmony, I would like now to welcome to the stage Jed Bays and Caitlin Morris. How about Jed and Caitlin? Speaking of which, how about the band this morning? Did they rock it or what? So what we're going to do is we are going to sing a song for you. All right? You guys look really scared. And it's a song that most of you are familiar with, so just let's go with it. All right? All right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, how Caitlin and Jed, come on, outstanding, thank you, thank you Jed, Uh, I am not a musician or a singer, painfully obvious at this point, so, um, but what we were doing there, I was singing the melody line, allegedly, that's correct, and uh, then you came in and you were doing harmony, so what, when we were all three doing that, what was it called, it's called, three part harmony, Three-part harmony. So I was singing melody. You were singing tenor, and you were singing alto. Alto, great. So see, it's 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 like the the deal with harmony is not that we all have to sing the exact same note, but we all have our part to sing. So we'll talk about that a little more in a minute. But thank you again for Jed and uh, thank you, brother. That's good. Yeah. CDs on sale in the lobby. Oh, dear Lord. Lord, help us. No. May it never be. So, um, but that's, that's the thing. We were singing the same words and the same message we were trying to, to portray in that song, but we weren't singing the same notes. We each had a different part to play, and so I think, or to sing, and so I think maybe... When it comes to us living in harmony, living in unity together, probably the second biggest thing, we, first we need to pray for help with our attitude. And the next thing is like, God, show me what is my part? What part do I have to play? And how can I help sing my part? And, and by the way, it's just an example. Thank the Lord we don't all have to sing. So, but it's just what we do 
in, in, in a relationship, how God can use us in relationships with others to play our part and to, uh, and to end up melding our voices or our lives with others who are trying to move in the same direction. It, it's as simple as that. So it's not about sameness. It's about harmony. So I pose a question. What if... What if where you are right now and what you've been through and what you're doing and maybe what you've been through all the way up till now, what if where we are, we're here because God wants to teach us this, that, that he's brought us to this place and to this point and this stage of our lives where he wants to show us what part we have to play in a bigger picture that's, that's a little bigger than just our little song, if we can use the, the analogy. That that's, maybe that's why we're here, so that God can change us, that God can do some work in our hearts, and suddenly we start to, we, maybe we can start to care more about the people around us than our own thing, and and care more about the people in our lives and the people that we have up to now maybe been fractured from. Care more about them than our opinion or the point we're trying to make or the argument we want to win. Maybe that's where, why we are where we are in our life right now. Just a thought. Go Take that to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, is that what you're saying to me? So we've talked about attitude. We've talked about harmony as opposed to sameness and carbon copyness. Another thing that I think is a, a, a big deal that we learn in this passage is that it's about acceptance. Say the word acceptance with me. Acceptance. How many of you, I'm going to go back to the 70s again. I don't know why I keep doing this. But, um, and I'm not talking about the movies that came out in the last 15 years. You guys remember the TV show Mission Impossible? Anybody? Oh, dear Lord, why do I keep embarrassing myself like this? Thank you all. Thank you. Mission Impossible. Now, Tom Cruise made the cool movies, all these cool movies since then. You remember the music? Isn't that great? Oh, that's so good. And then the little fire, you know, fuse thing. It's so cool. Whenever there was a mission that the impossible, Mission Impossible team was going to do, they'd find this, there's maybe this recorded message, right? You remember this? I get the recorded message, and it would say, that would self-destruct after they listened to it, which I thought was so cool. That was the extent of, set of special effects in the 70s. A reel-to-reel tape player smoking and melting. That was it. I was like, how did they do that? You know, but anyway, so before the message self-destructed, and, bef- and, and when they told them what they, the mission was, they would say, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is da 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 da, da and then they do these impossible things. And, uh, and so, when I think of the word acceptance, that's kind of the way I feel like God is up there going, um, your mission, <laughs> should you choose to accept it, is to experience unity that you probably thought couldn't happen. And, uh, but, but it is truly about acceptance, about accepting each other. So, in fact, the, uh, the verse in Romans, uh, 
in Romans 15, I think it's verse 7, that says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now we're back again to being encouraged to do things in the same manner or reflective of the way Christ has done things. Again, a really tall order. But what's so cool about this is that when you really think about it, this acceptance piece to the puzzle is the best glue for unity that we could ever possibly have as people of faith or people who are on a faith journey. And it really doesn't even, I mean, it doesn't even matter where you are in your faith journey. I mean, you might be good ways down. You've been doing this for a while. You might be kind of just coming back into it. Or maybe you might be brand new to it. You're not even sure, kind of kicking tires, wondering if you even want to go on a faith journey. Wherever we are on that spectrum, the most amazing glue that could keep us in unity, that could bring us together as one, is the idea of acceptance. There's nothing that makes me feel... Let me say this. There's nothing that connects me more to you than thinking about what God has done for both of us. But, but, because here's the thing. There's a lot of stuff that, will, that is different about us. There's a lot of differences and distinctions about us, about our stories, about our families, and about our pain. But, but at the same time, there's all those distinctions. Let me tell you the truth. We are the same. We are the same. I don't, I'm not saying that as if I know what you've been through. And our, our experiences are, are very different. But we're, here's how we're the exact same. We once were lost. And God has found us. We were blind. And He, is, he has given us sight. He, we are broken. And He is healing us. And when nobody or nothing else could, He did and He is. And that makes me the same as you. And that makes me unified. And that makes me think it would be an amazing adventure to walk with you and learn more about your story and your experiences and the distinctions of what you've been through and how it is, how our, how our lives are very, very different. But that we would do it because there's this glue that's holding us together. And that glue is the fact that we serve a God who, as it, as it says in the Psalms, He heals the brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds. We serve a God who when we were, when we didn't even know we needed him, and when we didn't want him, he still pursues us. And he has seen every sin, and every mistake, and every stupid decision, and he's seen all of it, and he has, he forgives that's me, and that's you. That's our story. We are the same. And it is a beautiful thing. There's this, uh, there's this one psalm. It's my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the psalms. It's Psalm 40, verse 17. 
And it says, as for, as for me, I am desperate and needy. And as a man, I don't like admitting that, right? Because I would rather be, say, as for me, I'm okay and sometimes awesome. That's the way I wish that verse read. But the truth is, is that there's stuff in my life that I can't figure out. And there's stuff in my life that I don't know how it's going to play out, and I'm worried about it. There's things in my life right now that are so broken, I don't know if they'll get put back together. And I'm desperate, man, and I'm needy. But the Lord thinks of me. He takes thought of me. And that is our God. And that makes, I'm, I'm telling you, you could cheer for the Washington Redskins and I could be your friend because of that. I'm sorry. I'm making light of, of disunity because disunity and divis- divisions in us, in our families, in our society are a lot more important than football teams. And I know that. I apologize for trying to, you know, if, that's, if, I, if that wasn't appropriate. But here's, here's my thing. There's nothing about you that I groove on more than the fact that God is chasing after you the same way he's chasing after me. And he will heal you the same way he's working on healing me. There is hope for us. There's this one verse in Psalm. Psalm, Look, I can't remember where it is. Psalm. 68 verse 6 it's not on the screen but it says God places the lonely in families he places the lonely in families and he and he sets prisoners free Psalm 68 verse 6 write it down sets the lonely in a family and he sets the prisoners free he puts the lonely in family. So here's my point. When it comes to acceptance, God's going to bring you in if you'll let him. And you'll look around and you'll look at people who look very different from you and whose accents and stories and everything about them might be different than you. But there's something going on in their heart that's the same as you. They have been broken and God is healing them. And God will have you look around and he'll say, this is your family. These are your people. Become one with these people. This is your family. Should you choose to accept it. And I hope you will. I hope you will. At this time, I'd like to invite our band to come back up. We're going to sort of wrap things up. Our... uh, Our last little point, it comes from the very last phrase of the last verse we looked at in that little Romans passage. And our point is, is that this is all, unity is all about the Lord. It's all about the Lord. Because that verse says, all of this happens. You know, the attitude changing, us living in harmony, accepting one another. All of it happens in order to bring praise to God. So that is the end game that I was talking to you about before. The punchline, the goal, the plan all along is for God to get glory, to get attention, 
to get praise for people all around us, even those who are not so sure about the faith journey, to be able to look and say, something's going on. There's that, that, we, that our song, our lives could, could point people to the Lord. And that's why unity is a big deal. And that's why we should never settle for pockets of our heart that hold on to division and strife and a refusal to reach across in acceptance to people who may look, think, act, feel, vote, cheer different than me. This is what it's all about. It's all about the Lord. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to close. If you guys don't mind standing with me, our uh, band is going to lead us in a song. And we've chosen this song because it's awesome. And it kind of goes along with this idea that we could, that, that everything could point to simple, straight up, straightforward praise to God. This song talks about Christ. His sacrifice, His death, His awesome resurrection, even the fact that, that Christ is coming back one day to take us all home. It's such a cool song, but what it does is it just invites us to say, God, I want to give you my praise right now. And listen, every time we have a moment with God, the only thing He wants is a response. That's what He's asking for. So this is a great chance for us to just respond whether you're a singer or not just enjoy this moment and respond in your heart to God and ask Him to change your attitude ask Him to show you your part in the harmony ask Him to help you accept others and just offer praise to Him and then we'll be back in a minute and we'll wrap things up so Jen Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Now may our dependable Heavenly Father develop maturity in you so that you will get along with each other just as well as Jesus gets along with us all. And then we'll be like a choir, not only of our voices, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus Christ. Father, that's our prayer. Make it so of us. God, that you could change us to where we would be people of unity based on your goodness in our lives and that would point people towards you. Lord, we ask you to do it because we cannot do it ourselves. But we believe in you. Our hope is in you. Father, make it so. And we will always and forever give you the praise. In Jesus' name.